first day of Christmas, Moose brings to me Bud Cooper, the director of Mutilator, and his upcoming Mutilator sequel almost 30 years later. Welcome, horror hounds, to the start of the 13 horrifying days of Christmas. I'm your host and gift giver, Moose, and your first day of Christmas is the gift of mutilation. And to talk about mutilation and fall breaks and everything that has to do with death and beaches and everything in between, please welcome Bud Cooper from Mutilator and Mutilator 2. So how's it going? It's going well, thank you. Uh, it's a really nice day down here in the 60s. I don't know what it's like up there. Cold. <laughs> yeah. It's been cold and rainy, so not quite snowing, but it's just like that wet, it's like that cold rain that just sucks the life out of you. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't see it much, I'm happy to say, but I know what you're talking about. So let, let, let's uh, jump back in time to the 80s. All right. You're writing fall break yes where did the story for this come from uh i live uh in on atlantic beach in north carolina which is uh part of an island known as bug banks and it's a it's tourist oriented uh, and it's full of people during the season labor day weekend is one of the big weekends it's really crowded here I'm happy to say because I'm in the hospitality business. Uh, and the day after Labor Day, everybody goes home or everybody's already gone home. And in uh, 82, I think it was, a friend of mine and I were walking on the beach Tuesday after Labor Day Monday, and there was no, virtually no one there. You could look a mile in either direction without seeing anybody. We were walking along and I was thinking, we know this, when it's, when it's after the season, this little island is desolate. At least we can make it look like it's desolate. And it would be a great place for some uh, teenagers to come get killed <laughs> in a movie, which was a popular uh, format among movies at that time. And so we started talking about it, and I started thinking about it. It's connected by a bridge. We could have the bridge, something not work. It's a bridge, which makes it difficult to get here. It's not, a, not easy to get to. And since we were at the beach and on the ocean, it occurred to me to use uh, nautical implements to affect the kills in the movie. And it sort of grew out of that. Yeah, and grow it did. I mean, and yeah, there, the, the, the nautical themes fit and just the, the kills in this movie were phenomenal. And every, you know, each one was significantly different it was the way it was shot was great a lot of you know pov shots which were kind of going away in the 80s you know at that point it was you know very much you had to see everything but there were excuse me go ahead you know but here we are with you know fall break eventually mutilator and there, there was still that like stalker shot that that pov you know just peeking around the corner peeking from not quite sure where you're being watched from shot yes and uh most of the credit for that goes to the director of photography peter schnall who was 
brilliant and went on to a great career. I tried to get him to come back for me a little too, but he said, nah, he's too over, didn't want to do it. But he was uh he was really good. He was great. He was terrific. And he had a good he had good backup crew. And he was responsible for giving the picture the look that it has. He asked me what I was what I wanted and I said I want deep blues and black blacks. And he took it from there. And 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 I, he did an excellent job. And he's responsible for most of those POV shots that you're talking about. Most of them were his ideas and we talked about it and, and went with his ideas. Well, and yeah, that, that was that was another thing that you know, me personally, because I, I should preface this, is the Mutilator is probably one of my all-time favorite, like, campy slashers. Like, it's not a camp slasher, but, like, campy horror well, movies. Um, I'm glad to hear. And it, it's about this time in the 80s, we were getting into, like, the brighter uh, horror movies. Just, you yeah. know, everything was getting a little bit more colorful. And, you know, th- this, like you said... You know, th- th- this this fell more in, you know, the darker hues. It was, you know, shot very dark. And uh, yeah. it, it kept that more classic, like, 60s, 70s vibe. Well, uh, it sounded like you liked that. And I'm glad if you do, because uh, I liked it, too. And that's the look that we went for. And that's the, the look that we got. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, and... You know, like I said, each of the kills were different. Each one brought something new to the table. And part of the fun, even on rewatches, is waiting to see how each person is going to die. You know, because when you first go to uh, the, the the house, there's so many potential implement tools of uh, destruction. It, it, it boils down to, okay, what is ultimately going to be used in this film to kill off the cast. You know, and I mean, the the obvious choice is the the big fish hook that you see. That one has to be used at some point. But outside of that, there's so many different things in this house that could be used. And part of the fun is you don't know what's going to be used. Um. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of stuff laying around. Uh, I don't know why or how I came to choose those specific implements. Uh, they just they just came to me. Uh, I particularly like the battle axe, which is not a nautical instrument, but it adds a, a sense of an ominous sense of foreboding. Uh, particularly this guy carrying around over his shoulder and everything. You know, sooner or later, someone's going to get whacked with it, and indeed they do. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them, I think the rest of them were being nautical instruments, sort of fit in. We were at a house at the beach. Guy's an outdoor guy. He's got all this stuff laying around. That's what he's going to use. He's a trophy hunter, he says. He said he's hunted everything but man. <laughs> Somewhere in there, he said that. I say yeah. there's a couple of nice spots of uh, foreshadowing. I mean, when they get to the house and the battle axe is missing, so you're thinking, okay, he's probably going to off everyone with the battle axe. I'm glad you caught that because yeah it was intentional of course the 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 these implements were set up in advance uh, my co-director and my co-director john douglas was a professor of screenwriting at the american university in washington dc and one of his first rules when you take his class is if you're going to use something a device 
you got to set it up in the first three pages. So I don't, they didn't. We, I didn't get there in the first three pages, but I think we set. I think we set up all the implements in advance. Yeah. I say, yeah, no, they they were set up gorgeously, and you know, the, the, even the ones that were like su- surprise uh, instruments, like the chainsaw. You know. Yeah. That's an outboard motor. You know, that, that, that's. You know, it, it, it's still. It's not something you think about. Yeah. And its execution, you know, it came across as very, you know, Texas Chainsaw style, but like you said, with an outboard motor. Typically, (laughs) if someone's dying with a motor, they're in the water and they get hit by the boat. They're not getting attacked with it on land. (laughs) That's a nice point. I hadn't thought about that. There's uh, an, as an, Interesting aside, the uh, they talk about the uh, the two kids talk about the motor earlier in the movie, and as the guy goes to uh, the guy's name, the character's name is Mike. As Mike goes to the closet to open the door before he gets hit with that, there's a shot of his legs walking by the empty stand where the outboard motor was seen earlier. So that we know the motor's missing kind of gets you on the alert and it identifies the implement as a motor, not a chainsaw. But that somehow that shot got left out of, of the final cut. I don't know. I don't know how. Just an oversight. And, but that would have made the uh, it would have let the audience know more easily that that was an outboard motor, not a chainsaw. Okay. Yeah, because anyway. it, it, it sounds it sounds very chainsaw esque, and you know you, you're coming. You know, you're right between two of the, probably two of the best Texas Chainsaw movies in the franchise. Mm-hmm. So that 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 scene is always going to get very muddled with, a, you know, a chainsaw kill. Yeah, and you're right. W- with it being a motor kill, that that just raises the stakes a little higher. And I think you're right. If that scene had stayed in, it would be like a, oh crap. Yeah. That was the intent, and I, and I, you know, I'm sorry that that didn't make it, and I didn't catch it until later, much later, too late. So, we went from this movie that is fall break, all fall break. I mean, you watch it now, and it's mutilator in name only, because everything else is fall break. Right. Why? I mean, I, I know it was a marketing decision. But why in yes. like the 11th hour did it go to Mutilator, not like the Beach Killer or something, you know? We had uh, Fall Break was chosen around here when there's when people get out for Thanksgiving from college. Uh, it's, it's referred to as the Fall Break as opposed to Spring Break, which, which was going to be the name of the sequel. Uh, also, fall and break have a kind of a horror story impact. I mean, you're going to fall down, you're going to break something. And so that was the title we chose. And we did an ad campaign. And when I talked to Marvin Friedlander, handled the distribution for me. He said, well, but now we need an, an ad campaign. I said, we got one. He said, let me see it. We had trailer, uh, TV spots, newspaper slicks, radio spots. And I showed it all to him. He said, but I got to tell you, it's shit, top to bottom. I said, I know, Marvin. I said, we worked hard on that. He said, yeah, no, no. And he sent me to uh, an advertising firm 
on Times Square, Diener-Hauser Bates, and they developed the, uh, they came up with the name and the ad campaign, came up with the poster, which I, which I thought was uh, really good. I thought all of it was good. The, uh, here's an interesting story. They had an artist paint the four, the four victims hanging from uh, railroad ties on, nailed to the wall, and the front victim was a uh, sensuous blonde in a bikini, and the original painting, the, the, uh, that girl's legs were not slender enough. And I said, yeah, we need to, to fix that. And so they got another model to come in and he repainted the legs and he called me in to look at it, prove it. I said, yeah. I said, can I meet her? Can I meet her? <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, not with those legs. <laughs> okay. Well, so, can uh, I meet those legs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that. Uh, anyhow, so that's how and why the uh, the name change came about. Mutilator definitely has more of a ring to it. Yeah. And I, I think that is what's helped keep it in the uh, like cult classic status, Probably which is did. which is what brings us to current day. We get Mutilator 2. Mm -hmm. That announcement almost broke the internet. I mean, I remember the day it was announced. What happened day? It, it, you know, just the level of excitement that, you know, this, you know, and I, I use this endearingly, just cheesy horror movie from the 80s is getting a sequel. Just like everybody was super excited. I'm glad to hear that. We were talking about a sequel uh, before we finished shooting the first one. We were joking about different different ways. There's a one of the last scenes in in the Mutilator's uh, head goes into the room where Pam is recuperating in the hospital, and there's a, a uh, standing closet there. We were saying, "Yeah, Big Ed jumps out of the closet," and that we were making jokes. We were talking about it, but uh, the first one took a while to uh, pay for itself. It was a long time before I could get my money back. I always wanted to do another one, uh, another movie, and it seemed to me that the logical movie for me to, to make, if I were going to make one, would be Mutilator 2 because Mutilator did have uh, a following. And uh, I got waylaid with uh, work and family. I went to AFI in LA spent a few years out there chasing a career as a producer. It got away from me. I came back here and one thing led to another. And first thing you know, 35 years had gone by without making the movie. And uh, I got back on my feet financially. My children were grown and independent. I'm really proud of them. We can spend a, another half hour talking about them. And uh, it just it was time. It was time to make another movie, and, and Mutilator 2 was a logical, logical choice, and that's what happened. So wrote it and shot it and trying to get it distributed now. Tell all your friends. We're looking for a distributor. Let them line up. You know, I, I don't, it's funny. I'd always joked that Mutilator was uh, Weekend at Bernie's, but with murder. And now we have Mutilator 2 starring... Terry Kaiser. That's right. From Weekend at Bernie's. 
<laughs> we, uh, I don't, I, I'm not going to tell you much about Mutilator 2, but I will tell you there's a tip of the hat to uh, Terry Kyder and Weekend at Bernie's in the movie. You'll see it when, if, when you watch the movie. Oh, I love it. It's like, and yeah, your, your cast, I mean, with, with like, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know all of them, but, you know, Janie Morrow, Damien Maffei, I've gotten to know pretty well. And, yeah. you know, from Haunt and their many other projects, and yeah. th- they've made quite a name for themselves in the horror community. Terry Kaiser, obviously, Weekend at Bernie's, and, uh, you know, Friday the 13th. And then, you know, Cody Renee Cameron from 12 Slays of Christmas and, you know, many other, like, you know, Evil Bong, Amityville Moons, different things like that. I mean, you pulled from a lot of, like, you pulled a lot of known entities from the horror community for this movie. I was aware of the experience of some of the people, but not everybody. Some of them I just, I just took. Because I, because they were talented, and I saw some of their reels, and without doing a lot of that research, but yeah, I got very lucky <clears throat> with the casting. Uh, it was really good casting. We, uh, you know, we won the hubby at Took Bob Briggs Jamboree in Las Vegas last month. I don't know if you're aware of that. That's awesome. There are two interesting clips on his YouTube channel, and I'll send you links to them. One is when he introduces Mutilator 2 and pays homage to Mutilator 1. He, uh, it was uh, thrilling to me to listen to Joe Bob Briggs talk about it. He uh, he was a fan of the movie. He is a fan of the movie. And then the second clip is when he awarded the, uh, the hubby to me. And I quoted Patrick Dunnigan, who was quoting someone else when he told me that, but good directing is 95% good casting. And it's true. And the casting was excellent in this movie and the cast really performed um i'm proud the the movie is as much a tribute to the cast and the crew as it is to me yeah i mean yeah i had this idea but they put it together and made it work i gotta say that so what all what was the casting process like for uh two was it pretty simple or was there a lot of like back and forth on who you wanted to play what roles most of it fell into place uh Damien was suggested by my two producers who knew him. Damien suggested Terry Kaiser, who looked, he resembles in a way Jack Chatham, who was, who dealt himself out. He didn't, he he didn't want to do it. Uh, Jack's in his, he's about 96 now, just had a birthday. He felt it was too much for Jack to do it, but he did say he wanted to come to the set one day and watch it. And he did. And so, (laughs) We shot him. He did a, a cameo in one of the one of the scenes. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and uh, I forgot. Other people started suggesting other people. The only one they had a lot of back and forth with was Cody, who uh, not only acted but performed as a stunt person in one of the, in one of the one of the scenes. And we we negotiated a little bit about that, but there was not a a lot of back and forth. Uh, Eva Hamilton had recently. Uh, entered a Facebook friend request and I responded, I accepted her. And I said, by the way, I'm getting ready to make this movie. How would you like to be in it? And she was sort of cool. I, I'm sure she gets a lot of uh, inquiries like that on Facebook. Hey, good looking. Let's go to my play. You know, but, and I thought she, she may have thought that that's what I, what I was doing. 
But after a couple of exchanges, she realized I was serious and that it was going to be a movie. And uh, she came on board because she did a good job. Uh, I you know, people just sort of fell into place. Uh, Carl Grasso from uh, Greensboro was uh, just got in touch with me through a sort of a talent agent. I looked at him and he was perfect. Uh, Dan Grogan, same thing. Some local, I mean, some North Carolina guys. The cast basically fell into position. It took, I don't know, a few weeks, and all the all the parts were filled, and I was happy with everybody. I don't know what to say. It just it was uh, it worked. Most of those people knew about the mutilator and wanted to be in mutilator too, and that made it a lot easier. Um, so, what is the uh, story for mutilator two? There's a movie within a movie, and the movie within the movie is the remaking of the mutilator. Uh, because it's the remaking of the mutilator, some of the cast from the mutilator appeared. There's going to be a rap party. It's the last day of shooting or next to the last day of shooting when it starts. And so some of the cast members from the mutilator show up and participate in the, uh, in mutilator too. <laughs> it goes from there. That's awesome. It worked for me. It was, a, it was, a, it was, a, I wanted to get some of the people from you later in, and it seemed like uh, an okay way to do it. They get to come back and be themselves without being in another, trying to trying to make a, another movie. They get to be themselves and talk about it and watch somebody else do it. Yeah, they, no, that, that's the, it's definitely a fun way to approach it. And I, I think this one's going to get a lot of traction. I, I sincerely hope so for no other reason than to let these actors be seen performing. They just did such a really good job. And their performances in this movie deserve to be seen by the public. I swear they do. Oh, yeah. this, Like I said earlier, there was a lot of excitement behind uh, the announcement. And just the star power in this alone gives... Uh, will be a fun movie going experience with what you pulled off in the eighties with everything that you have going today. It, it, it can only, only get better. And, and I, I know some people think that sounds like I'm being, uh, um, like I'm dinging the original and I'm not, you know, it's just with, with all the new technologies and everything, you know, it's, there, there's no way for this movie to not knock socks off. I'm glad to hear you say that. <laughs> Please tell everybody. That's, I, <laughs> since it was announced, I've been telling everybody. This is honestly, this has been one of my most anticipated interviews. Great. I'm glad to hear it. And uh, if you'd send your uh, email address to me, I'll send the links to those two Joe Bob Briggs clips I was talking about. If you send your regular mail, Address to me, I'll send you a poster. How about that? That would be amazing. Is there a place that listeners can follow you on social media for updates on when distribution hits and things like that? Yeah. The uh, Mutilator has a Facebook page that's been uh, reporting on Mutilator 2. Uh, that's the best place to look. Go to Facebook. It's called Big Ed or something. But if you Google Mutilator, uh, on Facebook, and it'll take it to, it'll pop up on the Facebook page. 
That's where we report stuff. Awesome. Listeners, I will post that link in the episode description, and you can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com, or if you're just looking for me, head over to Facebook, X, and Twitter at Moose Media Inc. Just look for the moose. Bud, this, this has been fun. I cannot wait to see the movie. I cannot wait for everybody else to see the movie. After the movie comes out, I definitely want to have you back on so we could deep dive into the movie. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you uh, I know we're, we're talking to a lot of people here, but just between the two of us, if uh, if you would like to review the movie, I will send a link to a, I'll have a, a link to a screener sent to you. To give it one shot, you can look at it and let us know what to think. You just made my Christmas. Oh my God. Okay, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And I hope you have a happy holidays. And listeners, come back tomorrow for another 13 days, 13 horrifying days of Christmas. And until next time, mash on. <laughs>